Guys, did you notice at the course in Bohenza um, that there were literally no trees on that course anywhere that I remember? Literally. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't looking for them, I have to say. I was watching the race. But distinctly noticed a lack of trees on that course. Yeah, I guess you're... Yeah, you're right. I don't think you know, I remember any. Usually European cyclocross races and cyclocross races pretty much anywhere at, at some point they're sort of going around some trees and through a little bit of sort of gladed kind of forested section hmm. um, but that race kind of being on the seashore like it was and being in the little town there's really no trees at all and it, i got started thinking to myself it's like what what is this what does this mean you know like so vanderpoel wins he hasn't won worlds in a couple years he won on this course uh, Sonicant wins for the third year in a row, and I'm sort of like trying to divine this meaning of what might be behind this mm. treeless cyclocross wait, course. Wait, he won. He last won in Tabor, I are think. There, are there are there trees in Tabor? Seems pretty treeless on that course too. So I was thinking maybe in this episode we could get into something like some kind of a little like tree talk, and maybe Ooh, kind of look into that talk. and sort of see right. if this theory of trees on cyclocross courses pans out into anything you guys with me on that yeah this seems let's like some it. really good niche content um, all right well yeah. put it on the agenda and let's start the show all right Well, good evening, and welcome to episode 73 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sochirio. I'm excited to get right into the biggest event of the weekend, and that was the World Championships in... Uh, in uh, oh, the World Championships was in Atlanta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, no, actually, legit World Championships. Oh, real World Championships. multiple countries competing in a sport crazy crazy uh yeah and bogan bogan how is it's bogans boenza boenza qbr boenza denmark for the 2019 cyclocross world championships um let's just uh we're just gonna get dive right into the action and we're gonna start off with the junior men's race Matt, I'm gonna let you lead this off because I think you actually watched this race I actually got up at 4 (laughs) a.m. To watch this race. Uh, yeah. So Well, um, you wouldn't be much of a British person if you didn't, right? I'm, I think that I helped sway the results. I bet you did. Personally, because because of my commitment to so the So let's course. let's start off with those, Matt. Why don't you give us the results of that race first and then we'll get your hot takes on it. The results were uh, on the top step, second year running, Mr. Ben Tullett from Great Britain. Uh, in second place, Vitsi Miusen. Is he any relation of Tom? I Good don't question. know the answer to that. I don't know, yeah. And three was Ryan Cortians of Belgium. Uh, and then uh, young Mr. Thibaut Nice, son of Sven, uh, was ah. fourth. So there were three Belgians in a row there, um, although he was a little bit further back. Um, notable Americans, Alex Morton, top, top-placed American in 18th, and Nick Carter was 22nd. Former Backstreet Boy or NSYNC? I can never remember. Oh, I, yeah, I or don't younger brother of a inseeker, maybe son of okay, uh, true. Of Nick right. Carter, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I 
really, I thought it was a good race. Um, really interesting. Uh, it, you know, the Belgians uh, obviously wanted to uh, drive the front, and uh, Tullet has not had a great season. Uh, he had like a big injury early in the season, and uh, wasn't really, uh, you know, didn't really start to come into form until fairly recently. So. The two Belgians that were on the podium have been kind of mopping up all the all the results in the in the World Cups, but uh, so he wasn't really the favourite to win it. But he was pretty patient, sitting uh, sitting a little further back in the field, and uh, I think what we'll see is like a, a the theme of of this World Cup was it was uh, really a lot of mistakes that um, that uh, that kind of uh, I guess controlled the outcome of the race, and he came to the front on that long straight along the seashore to get up that climb first, rode up that climb, and the first Belgian behind him had a bobble. Uh-oh. Which caused everybody else, which caused the guys behind to get caught up. Foreshadowing. And that was it. He was away and uh, and never looked back. And, and again, it was all about riding technically clean. And he did a great job. Had a bit of a shocker on the last lap where on that off-camber section where... He uh, he came off and was sliding down the down the banking. That was pretty steep off camber, wasn't it? It looked like it was about forty five degrees. That thing. there were yeah, those were pretty much the only feature of that course were the the adverse or off cambers. Um, yeah. Besides, and the big run ups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those those. I guess I was kind of considering them off cambers, but yeah. you're right. They're more run ups. Um, but that one off camber was definitely the key point of the course. And a lot of people were getting caught out. Even, you know, very, very good experienced riders were getting, uh, getting caught out. And it felt, it felt to me like, as we'll, I guess we'll talk about it, that it, it's condition changed throughout the weekend. Yeah, no, I think if you were to write a book about, uh, the 2019 cyclocross world championships, it would, it would be something like, you know, that, adverse camber yeah so uh ben tollett is he's all he follows in good footsteps he was one of the juniors two years in a row yep world championships other guy to do that was uh matthew vanderpool that's right the so, only the only other oh rider, really he's the it's the only other the only other uh wanted to do uh twice in a row in the juniors yeah but also dan tollett his brother was in that british podium sweep uh the year before he won. And where's Dan Tollett now in U23s? He's in U23s, yep. Well, should we move on to the U23 women? Let's do it. Yeah. I also did not watch that race. I heard it was possibly one of the better races of the day. Towns, you want to give us the results of sure, that race? Sure, yeah. And the U23 women in first place, well, it was a Dutch sweep. And in first place, we had uh, Inga van der Heiden. Second place, Fleur Nagengast. And in third place, uh, probably the favorite for the race, but ended yeah. up finishing third, sailing uh, Kaylin Del Carmen Alvarado. Uh, notable uh, United States finishers, Katie Klaus in a very, very respectable seventh position, and Clara Hossinger in tenth. American women doing very well in that race. Uh, yeah, oh, wait, Bodie, wait. it was... Other, su- other notable finish was, I believe, uh, Puck Petersee in fourth. Yeah. Who, Puck, yeah, Puck Patracy. Patracy, who yeah. I said to keep an eye. I believe oh, she's. No, I think it's pronounced Peters. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. that's how uh, Ant was pronouncing it. Oh, wow. we, we know that Ant's really good at the pronunciations. So, anyway, I'm just saying, fourth place, she's, I believe she's of junior's age. She is still only 17. So, yeah, someone and, to watch out. Katie Klaus is also junior aged. Uh, she won the uh, junior's 
U.S. champs this year and, and the U23 women. I can't remember how that went. Did she? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I was there. We were there. We should know this. But, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that next year uh, there will be a juniors women's race, just like the men's, and I believe that Katie is still eligible for it. I think she'll be 19 because she's 18 now. So I think she'll be 19 and not eligible. Uh, but uh, Puck Peters will be. But yeah. Bodie, if you haven't watched that race, you go back and watch it. Uh, super exciting race. Yeah. I would say of, of all of the, the five featured races, this one was the closest uh, sort of end to end. At the beginning of the last lap, there were at least seven or eight women yeah. in contention uh, for the win. Um, Katie Klaus being amongst them she That's was awesome. she was very you know she was in the mix on the last lap which is yep. pretty exciting to see uh Kaylin del carmen alvarado was was on the front sort of driving the pace for most of the last lap and and looked to i'm not going to say that it ever looked that she had the the race uh won but she was uh, on the front headed up over the final flyover onto the home stretch and uh, and just appeared to uh, just fade. Uh, I mean, sort of the way I fade on the sprint to reds. You know, just if I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with the group and then and then suddenly I'm um, I'm out the back. She went from first to third. Yeah. On that on that uh, on the finish straight, got passed by two of her teammates, uh, and really almost just looked like she was standing still. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything from her about what happened. Uh, it seemed I, weird. She was just cashed. Yeah, I mean, it seemed weird, didn't it? It was on the flyover yeah. um, that uh, Inga van der Heiden just blew past Almost her. looked like she missed a shift or something. Yeah, you know? it looked weird that she was going so much slower uh, on, on, that, on, on that flyover there. And then, I mean, van der Heiden was just gone then. She was just full gas She was, finish. yeah. And then, and then um, you know, uh, uh, Fleur Nagengast came from a ways back to, to, to overtake... Alvarado and and had enough of a gap on her by the time they got to the finish line that she was able to sort of post up and celebrate. She was celebrating Inga's victory. Yeah, um, they were sort of celebrating it together. And again, it was a it was a Dutch sweep and and well deserved. They have a tremendous uh, women's cyclocross program in the Netherlands. I mean, Five in the top ten in yeah. that race, I think, for for the Dutch. Just. Uh, and then we've already talked about the strength of their elite women's team. So, yeah. uh, anyway, Matt, you also had a note about Anna Kay and her performance. Well, yeah, the first half of the race, I mean, she was really um, putting putting them under pressure quite a bit, uh, but she made one too many mistakes. I think. Um, I think that the key to that course, uh, you know, she was the only one who was actually riding that first that first um, you know steep section after the after the long straight. Um, but she kind of kept, but she, her technique at the top was getting, was really kind of getting in her way. Sometimes it worked for her, sometimes it didn't. And uh, she was occasionally like losing a, a couple of spaces, places on there. I think if she'd got herself to the front more, she could have, I think she could have done better because I think she was looking just as good as they were. And I think she finished fifth overall at the finish. Um, so still a great result. I mean, she had a great British women's race where she was right up there with, uh, Nikki Bramire until she had a mechanical. So, um, yeah, she's definitely one to watch for as well. Side note, uh, Puck got sixth place, not, yep. not fourth. Um, so let's move on to the U23 men. In first place, we had Thomas Pidcock, another Brit. 
Uh, Eli Isabrit, Belgian in second, and Antoine Benoist? Benoit? Benoist. Benoit? I don't, yeah. French guy in third. Um, notable uh, finish by Gage Hecht in 12th, Spencer Petroff in 16th, and Lance Haydet in 22nd. Um, guys, I also did not watch this race. What? So this was uh, a really good one, too. Uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, the, 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 the guy from, uh, so I think going into it, everybody would have thought, you know, this was a race between Pidcock and Iserbeet probably for, yeah. for, uh, one, two, and, and it shook out that way. But boy, this kid from France who I've never really even heard of, Antoine Benoist or Benoist. He's been up there on the U23 podiums a bit this season. He, so. uh, he, he looked super strong. And, uh, I'll tell you what, Pidcock, the, the, these guys threw a lot at Pidcock in this race <laughs> And, um, you know, remarkably, he had an answer for all of it. But, you know, it was as if the, the rest of the world uh, teamed up against him and just uh, gave him everything they had. He had to cover a lot of attacks. He was not on the front of the race riding the kind of race that, that he's used to riding, where he riding, a, you know. Well, at f- the first part of the race. First definitely. part of the race. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Sure. But um, ultimately, he ultimately he got on the front and won the race by a country mile. Well, he so he was looking down at his gears um, towards the I guess there's like second half of the first lap, and he looked like he just wasn't really super comfortable. It did, you know he was kind of sitting sitting back a little bit, um, but he went into the pits and there was a it was a big group, fast fast lap, really fast lap, and there must have been what 14, 15 guys in that front group. Pitcock goes into the pits near the front, comes out at the back of the group. Right. And you think, oh boy, he's going to have to, he's got his work cut out for him now. Um, by the time they'd got, you know, they come out of the pits, they go onto the straight, they come around a little windy bit and then back onto that long straight towards that first climb. He went straight from the back all the way to the front. Meanwhile, Isabit's already attacked off the front. Pitcock just comes straight up to him and flies straight past him. Hmm. And, like, Isabit's giving a double take, like, what the hell just happened? And that was it. He was, then he was gone. Isabit um, got absorbed again and then attacked again out of the group. But uh, Pitcock just rode a phenomenal race. Well, and- he had the second fastest lap of anyone over the entire weekend, second to Wout Van Aert's yeah. spin lap uh, when he was chasing down Matthew Vanderpoel after getting gapped. Um, Lap yeah, three or four. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like he really had the measure of that course and his fitness was just obviously, you know, right on form. So Beautiful flag technique on the uh, finish straight as he's uh, coming to, up to the line. Somebody hands him a yeah. hands him the, uh, the, the, the British flag. Yeah. And uh, he effortlessly drapes it around his shoulders. Yeah. Rides with it, lets it trail it behind him for a moment. Too. Yeah, big, big flag. And then and then just casually tosses it off to the side to a waiting fan who catches it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, it's, well, uh, it's getting a ten point zero from the British. Oh judge my for gosh, it. It, it was perfect, it was flawless. Ten yeah. out of ten would flag again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I'm just looking at the results here. I noticed that Eli Isabeet is 22, so he will be. That's his last year yeah. in the 23s, and he he was the current world champion, correct? Yes, twice. So he was. Um, so he's got it twice. I mean, he's going out. I mean, Pitcock is twenty. Um, yeah. Thoughts: Will he be back in the twenty threes next year, or will he go to the elites? I think he'll probably race World Cup with the elites. 
to get the experience and maybe race worlds as a u23 again next year i guess maybe it depends on what wout and mbdp do because i see that mm. those are his, uh, his big challenges um i'd say let's move on to the elite women the elite women which to me it was the marquee race the day and holy shit i watched the fuck out of that race yeah and I just thought it was a sizzler from beginning to end. That race was awesome, and I, I, I was, I, we went on the club ride. I, I turned my phone off. I did not look at anything. I got home. I got my laptop I out. So wanted to talk about it. I got my coffee. I got it on the TV. I had to send, had to like text Emily, like how do I, how do I log into your NBC Gold? I want to put it on the TV so I can type notes. Got my scratch pad out. I mean, I was studying the footage. And I was my main takeaway was holy shit we were lucky to be able to watch that race. Uh, I'm I'm putting that in my top five cyclocross races of all time. You know, uh, you know I would include Sven and Stebar, mm. uh, uh, Hyde and Powers. Um, Hyde and, and Powers in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Voss in and Reno. Noble. And uh, you know th- those some of some of my races. Anyway, mm. so let's get on. Let's, let's do the results really fast. Uh, so in first, oh. Sana Kant from Belgium. The hat trick. Three time. Three in a row. Yeah. Uh, Lucinda Brand in second place from the Netherlands and Marianne Voss in third from the Netherlands. Notable Americans, Caitlin Keogh finished seventh. Great ride from her. Rebecca Farringer in an extremely respectable 16th. Ellen Noble, uh, probably in a, what she would call a disappointing 21st. Sammy Runnels, uh, surprising with a 30th place finish and katie compton my pick uh, matt's pick for for worlds uh was the the lowest placed american i, I don't know what i haven't read anything about how she fared but she I finished heard either 34th yeah yeah it's gotta be rough uh, so yeah i mean where to, where to start with this one i mean I, i'll throw out my <laughs> initial hot take first thought sonic hunt rode a flawless race uh and rode like a true champion yeah i mean Dare you to disagree with that? No, I, I, that's that was my takeaway too, and I just stepped on Matt. But uh, she she was like, "Hey, uh, two time world champion here, um, yeah. y'all y'all counted me out." Not only did I mean, once again, this was a fast course. Everybody had to be strong and fast to yeah. start with, but they also had to be technically perfect. That's right. And I mean, we know that Santa Kant on her best day is is the best in the world when she's on her best day but she's yep. been very inconsistent this year and this was the best Sana Kant that Sana Kant can be and that means you yep. win a world championship I don't think that Sana Kant was the strongest rider on the course Not I physically. think that, I think that Lucinda Brand was a stronger yeah. rider she rode a stronger race are but you Kant, reading my Kant, notes Kant rode a all... better race <laughs> yeah Kant rode yeah. a perfect yeah, race totally. I don't yeah. remember her making any mistakes at all on that race. Do you know what also Sana Kant did perfectly? What? She wore a cap underneath her helmet. Did she? I didn't even notice that. She was the only one, and she won. That's panache right there. Panache. A- yeah. And, Chapeau. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead a bit. You, you pointed this out, Matt. You said that Vanderpool was the only guy wearing leg warmers. I didn't point no, that out. No, I was the one that pointed oh, that out. Oh, Townsend did. Yeah. All right. Yeah. T-Bone did. And, and he also won. So I'm just... I'm maybe, you know, winter weather conspiracy theorist over here. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, I agree. Brand, in my pick, was the strongest rider there. 
Obviously, there was a lot of mistakes that she had. A lot. Um, a little bit like a bull in a china shop. But yeah. she came back from all of them because she was so strong. Exactly. I mean, she she was like she was on a freaking train and she was shoveling coal into the engine room and just barreling past people, um, except for her father. Oh yeah. Oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. So, so the big well, thing. Okay, okay. So this is this is um, Clipgate or whatever we're gonna yeah, call it. Yeah, I know, it. right? Pedalgate. Uh, Unclipgate. Un- yeah, yeah. Dadgate. 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 <laughs> so, in case you haven't, no- so if, in case our listeners haven't watched or don't know what happened, um, Brand had to burn a burned a bunch of matches. She fell a few times, and but always managed to get her way back up to the front. At some point, she went in for a bike change. Right toward the end of the race. And mm. she fell on the ground, and the announcers blamed it all on the guy catching her bike. Her mechanic, her, which, which was, was her, her dad. dad. But at the time, they didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so they didn't realize they were harshing on her dad Once whole we time. saw the replay during the race, a lot of people were like, looks like she's still clipped in. Yeah. She, Brand, in a post-race interview, does blame it on her father a little bit, and she says that she'll have to get over it so they can still have Christmas dinner. Which is, yeah. you know, 12, well, it, twelve months away. <laughs> well, this was—I mean, this was a great opportunity for people like Adam Myerson and everything to to mansplain uh, dismounts. And uh, I think, you know, I, I'll say this, and I did say this: I bet Mariana Voss pre-unclips when she dismounts. Mariana Voss, she's, she's an old school step through. Yeah, she's I in that race. She stepped through in the pit because it's flat and it's fast. Yeah. And that's when you step through. That's right. And her dad was handing her her bike, too. Yeah. Uh, so, right. So, I mean, yeah, basically what happened is, you know, Brand is still clipped in on her on her left pedal. Um, and her dad grabs the bars of her bike, which stops the forward momentum, and then she falls through. But in, in, in defense of her, if you were in that situation doing a step back dismount or a, you know, step across dismount, not the step through dismount, you wouldn't be unclipped either you'd be unclipping as you came off of your bike not necessarily you could still pre-unclip i understand you could but most people wouldn't in that circumstance you're not expecting the bike to be grabbed from you um you know that that early well anyway the debate is did the bike actually get grabbed from her early or did she because she was unclipped not unclipped and falling off it felt like you know she was getting jarred yeah anyway but yeah, that was one of a few matches that Brand had to burn. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a pretty big one. She had a big off on the off camber. Yeah. Well, but uh, wait, let's let's not leave the let's not leave the bobble in the pits because she comes out. She's not. She doesn't lose a tremendous amount of time. She yeah. comes out. She was near the front of the lead group. She comes out now near the back of the lead group. Yeah. Works her way back through it, but still, Sonicant makes a big big acceleration on that final lap. Gets the. Gets the gap over her. Brand never recovers uh, that gap and ends up getting you know beat on that on that last lap. And and my a lot of people said that was the mistake that cost Brand the race. As if if that hadn't happened, she wouldn't have been gapped by Sonicant on the last lap. And I beg to differ. I don't think that that bobble. I don't think that Brand's dad cost her the race no i think brand cost herself the race by i think she's an incredibly strong rider but we've seen it before in races this year there was a race actually she won against nikki bramier and uh 
Premier rode a much cleaner race, but it wasn't as strong as Brand. Brand crashed at least three times on the course, whereas Premier didn't go down. So, but she still she still won in that case. She's a much stronger, you know, physically stronger rider. But Kent, on the form that she was on, also rode not just a, a, a stronger race, not not stronger, but like not physically stronger, but a better mean, better race, a better race, but also tactically yeah. much better. Yeah, she yeah. went at exactly the right time. She so, knew she knew when she knew when to hit the front and have a clean line. She knew exactly what she was doing, and just I, I, honestly, it. It was flawless. It was beautiful to watch. I will say that that Brand has actually only been racing. This is her third year yeah. racing cross. I actually, I th- I kind of thought she'd been around. I feel like I've known like Brand has been a name since I've been watching cycling. But she's you know she's been racing road for a long time, and she dabbled in cross. But this is her third full season. So right. you know, think about. The crashes. She didn't race every race this season either. She wasn't like there all but she, season. She raced a lot, pretty full. But whereas yeah. Kant, Kant is 10-time national Belgian champion. She's been racing since she's a teenager, and it showed. Yes. Right? She knew she knew how to how to play the game. And also keep in mind, Brand comes from a road cycling background as opposed to someone like Yolanda Neff, who's coming to cycle across from a mountain bike background. Brand is a Brand is a true road cyclist. I mean, I think she maybe has done some mountain biking, but that's not her that's not her um, yeah. her pedigree. So speaking of Neff, she came from the fourth row yeah. up to what she finished sixth? She did, yeah. She was in the front group for a bit. Yeah, and then and then it looked like she kind of faded back a bit. Um, I mean, it was just a relentless, very hard race. Uh, Big shout out to Caitlin Keo who finished seventh. Yeah. Very strong uh, showing. She was racing toward the end of the race. Was racing sort of with uh, Denise Betsema and Yolanda Neff for that sixth, seventh, eighth position. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that she was pretty happy with that. I think that she's you know had has struggled with some things and, and uh, she's very open about the depression she struggles with. Um, and I think that fairly consistent season. I mean, she won uh, the second world cup and she finished seventh in the world championships. So she's been it was a there. great season. Yeah. And fourth in the world cup overall. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, pretty great. Yeah. Superb. You know, what's in, if you look at the, the, the countries you have one, two, three, four, five, Bel- uh, Netherlands, uh, oh Dutch. God. Wow, five Dutch in the top ten, right? And it's really interesting about same for the U twenty three. I think it was five in the U twenty three. It was four. Well. I just looked at it. Oh, just four. Okay. But the but the idea that we, the Dutch women have been dominating this year in cyclocross and they couldn't put it together in the World Championships. And also, you saw like you. It's interesting in these because you do have a little bit of team tactics sometimes. I mean, they're all technically racing for the country. Um, you saw a little bit of team tactics in the men's race. Yeah, um, pretty impressive team. We tactics. wanted to know were the women going to do that, and mm. at the beginning of the race, uh, Worst was out the front, and Betsema chased her down. Um, so it's interesting to me that they had such a great season, but they couldn't put it together for that final. Race. Until kind of like the last desperate moments, where it really looked like Voss was working for um oh she absolutely was working for brand. brand i mean yeah. she was burying herself on the i mean after coming chasing back again and then really just giving the the last of everything she had for, well, for i think the brand i think voss being you know legend being around a veteran she was like yeah i know what's going on yeah. i'll help you you're the strongest rider yet yeah, but voss found another match and sort of 
was able to get on the podium. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's just go watch that race. So, so awesome. Such a, uh, it's just so cool. Um, just really, really enjoyable. And, uh, once again, the women, uh, don't disappoint. Um, but let's get on to the final race of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, the elite men, um, who wants to read the results? Matt, go ahead. Uh, well, in first place, it was Matthew Vanderpoel. In second place, Wout Van Aert. And in third place, Toon Ertz. Uh, some notable Americans in there. Curtis White, top-placed American in 21st place. Great ride by him. Every other American in the race was cut. Yeah. I mean, they half all got the finishing field. positions, but they yeah. were... Uh, half the field in that race ended up getting pulled. Yeah. Amazing. But yeah, astonishing. Shout out to Marcel Meeson who finished eighth to break up the Belgian-Dutch dominance in the first 11 riders. Yeah. With And then 12th was... 12th, yeah. Philippe... Philippe Orts. <laughs> which, uh, uh, Townsend, it's, uh, you had uh, suggested that he was right up there with the front group for a long time. He was. And if he got on the podium, we were all going to wear jorts. Uh, on the club ride. This that would be ride. amazing. Yeah. 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 Jorts for orts. Uh, and, and, and even more amazing that he was up there because, guys, I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but if, for anyone that didn't watch this race, A, go back and watch it, but B, absolutely blistering start to this race. I yeah. mean, this was balls out for the first, what, two and a half, three laps at least. I mean, just insane pace being set. Uh, by Wout, Wout Van Aert. Yeah, for a Wout lot of set it. a pace. Lars got on off the front and set the pace for a bit. Yeah. Uh, it was just ridiculous in those first few laps. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to see how hard guys are working or how fast <laughs> they're going because, you know, if you haven't seen guys riding bikes in that particular stretch or the camera angles or whatever else, but this was one of those races where it didn't matter if you had never watched cyclocross before, mm. you could see that these guys were just absolutely tearing it. Uh, so I've got a question for you two gentlemen. Uh, who drooled the best, Wout or oh, Matthew? Dang, that is hard because there was some... <laughs> Matthew had some good... Ex, ex, what's the word? Expectorant? Expectorant? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Wout. Wout. Wout had just some crazy stuff just all across the whole <laughs> width of his chin. Wout oh. has a real good hangdog pain face. He, yeah. he really he oh. wears it pretty well uh vanderpool rarely shows emotion that way that's why i was so surprised when we saw that drool come out of his mouth I was like oh he's actually uh, pedaling hard yeah um because yeah i mean uh, he looked fairly poker faced for most of it but wout definitely was giving some faces of aru out there <laughs> <laughs> well so guys i mean it, when you look at the results uh-huh. first off matthew vanderpool deserved world champion yeah, the best rider in the world. He had the he's the he's the best cyclocross racer right now, uh, without a doubt. Established that uh, beyond any argument on uh, on Sunday. Um, I would go further and say that he is the best bicycle racer in the world right, right. now. It's right good, now, good, hard, to, right now. hard to argue with that. Currently, yeah, yes. yeah. No, I mean him. Uh, you know, Voss. 
you know. But I'm saying right now, at the moment. I mean, Voss has been in the yeah. past, absolutely. Oh, she, true. She's not dominant across as many things as she has in the past. But yeah. I mean, if, if, you just, if you just looked at the results of this race and you saw that Matthew Vanderpoel won the race by, you know, 20, 30 seconds, and, and that was after shutting it down kind of on the, on the last lap to, to get ready to celebrate— um, you would think, oh, another, you know, Matthew Vanderpoel runaway win, uh, boring, sleeper, snoozer, absolutely not. His win and the predictability of the finishing order really, uh, you know, uh, does not suggest the tremendously exciting race that this was yeah. really beginning to end uh, for, for different reasons. I mean, it became clear with two, three laps to go that Vanderpoel probably had the race wrapped up. But but just as that was happening, you then had the race for second and third between Wout and Toon start to really come into play. So there was always something exciting um, to watch. Kudos to Wout. He gave it everything. I mean, yeah. he left it all out on the course. Um, Bodie, you and I were talking. There was a moment, what was it, two, three laps in where um, – where Vanderpoel rode that that adverse camber perfectly, Toon bobbled it just behind him, causing everybody else to kind of back up. Mm. Vanderpoel gets a little bit of a gap. We talk team tactics. Uh, Lars Vanderhaar does a really amazing, just like slow pedal there to hold everybody behind him up as they get ready to go down that real tricky yeah. downhill. Because that's a bottleneck right there. There's yeah. only one line you could take down that. So yeah. So he did a great job holding everybody up, and by the time you blinked your eyes. Vanderpoel's got a five, now 10 second lead just about on the rest of the field. And that was, that would have been the moment in races past where you thought, okay, this is it. He's going to ride away. But Wout turned himself inside out, literally turned in the fastest lap of the entire weekend by anybody. With a little help from Toon. Toon drove it for a bit and then Wout came around and closed the gap. Closed the gap to Vanderpoel. But I think even though Wout closed the gap and got on Vanderpool. I think the race was already over at that point. You could see from the look on Vanderpool's face and the ease with which he was yeah. riding and the and the the effort that Wout had to put out to catch him and the way Wout was looking. And then Vanderpool sat on his wheel for, you know, a lap yep. and just sort of, you know, waited and waited and waited. Um I think the race was done at that point in time. I mean, Wout made a few other mistakes that 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 others have said may have you know cost him the race later on. Um, yes, it's certainly an argument could be made, but but I think Vanderpool, uh, I think Vanderpool had won the race at, at that point in time. Wait, wait. So is this? Are you saying so? Like it's like the previous mistakes that count more than the most the last mistake that maybe stays so uh vibrant in people's minds so like you know maybe the saints should have let it go to overtime maybe they should have you know got up and scored more points and it wasn't just that last call blown call uh you know there's certainly <laughs> certainly an argument that says if the saints had been up by a touchdown instead of being tied at that point in the game that yes but all right, all right, all right. Apples and, apples and oranges. No, I want to know yeah. sports ball. Yeah, so here, I'll give you... I'll, I, I went had to re-watch it before we started recording. So third lap, tune bobbles. Mm. Wout rides it clean, but he's backed up behind. Yeah. Fourth lap, Wout catches him. They both ride it clean. Catches Vanderpool. Yeah. Yep. yep. They both ride it clean. No yep. problems. Fifth lap, uh, Vanderpool is on Wout's wheel... He rides his wheel. I think, I think Wout actually wanted to be in the front. I mean, like, he's dictating the pace. Vanderpool gets around him right before that same off camber, 
rides it clean, wow, bobbles, boom, race yeah. is over. Um, and, and the gap, it's just what's amazing about Vanderpool is that he is able to make that five second gap occur like that in a second, right? It's like, boom, immediately five seconds. How'd you do that? You know, it was, it was, it was one second I stepped up. Yeah. Um, and then, as we said, the race for second, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine <laughs> laps into this 12 lap race, um, where Toon put in that huge effort before, kind of felt like he was out of it, um, but he must have settled into a pace that worked for him and kept chipping away time from Wow, who obviously was tired, yeah. and caught him. Um, yeah, it looked like Wout was Wout was fading back a bit, and Toon was able to just put in a little bit more and uh, and get back up there. But uh, so Toon so catches him, and then the last lap, Toon attacks. We see Toon off the front, gets a little bit of a gap, maybe a one two second gap. But then when it comes around to the finish straight, Wout's ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Toon crashed. You missed the crash. I missed the crash. Oh, no, no. Toon crashed on the big downhill, the last big downhill. Toon got his front wheel kind of stuck in a rut, and it went sideways, and he went slipped out from under him and went straight down. Well, it went around him, and that was Mm. it. That was kind of a shame. Which blew my podium trio. That would have been perfect. (laughs) I would have called the entire podium perfectly. But I think we knew it was going to be those three guys, really. Yeah, I mean, there there was really no one else... uh, even close. No. Um, and what I thought was interesting is that both of both Wow and MVDP talked about the relief. Like this was kind of a relief. It's kind of like you know the world was just slightly off, and that just kind of reset everything. You know, I mean, I, uh, Wow talked about feeling relief that he no longer was wearing the bands. I mean, you know, he or just relief that it was over. Yeah, well, I mean, such a build think, up to well, it. Well, I mean, like you know. He didn't. He won two, one race this this year. You know, wearing the world championship bands and just getting creamed by Va- Matthew Vanderpool. Like, you know, he felt like some insecurity there. I yeah, mean, and I think to. he only won races that MVDP was not at. Right. <laughs> so the fact yeah. that he no longer had to fly that rainbow flag, I don't know. I just, I, I just think it's really interesting how that they both had the same similar feeling. And Vanderpool, you know, relieved to finally get it after being, you know, the most dominant rider the last five years. Guys, can you believe that it's been five years that they've both been in the elites? Yeah. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Hey, whatever happened to Stebar? Wasn't he supposed to be racing in Worlds? <laughs> uh, and, well, what happened to Contador? I was really hoping <laughs> I, he was going to show That's what up. I'm really... Where was Contador? Yeah. Um, I yeah. think Stebar uh, probably realized he didn't even make the podium in the Czech national champs, right? I think he was yeah. fourth in that. So he probably figured it was, you know, he's not like, really on the cards. He's like, wait, what am I doing here? Wait, yeah, he, well, they only probably wait, get two he, spots, he, right? He, he checked out. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> other stuff. Short course. You have yeah. the note in here, huh? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was, I guess it was of some regulation because it, yeah, you know, no, they, they it's talk the, on the short end of the reg, short, short end, end of the regulation. Two and a half K. 2.6, I think is the yeah. minimum. 2.5 is the minimum. It oh, it's 2.6. Oh, oh, this, okay. This race was 2.6. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, they were, so the men did 12 laps. I mean, under the, six minutes a lap every yeah, lap. under six, which sometimes happens, but that's again, like a day, day, day or a super prestige where it's, you know, where it's a, you know, grass crit and Vanderpool is crushing it. Women were doing under seven. Usually women are like seven to eight, you know, eight and a half. So it's just, 
I guess didn't have much terrain to work with. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this course. Like, I don't know how they managed to calculate 12, that it was going to be 12 laps. Because after that first, that first lap was fast. Oh, well, it went long, right? Yeah. So they calculated wrong. Yeah, so they just like, it should have been 11 laps. Yeah. I mean, the, they said the, the last guy in the lead lap was an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. Well, and that's why so many riders wound up getting pulled yeah. too, right? Because it was a short course and a long race. So. Yeah. Uh, but next year, women's World Cups are going to be 50 minutes. Yeah. So I, mean, I guess I don't know if that's a good segue or not, but sure. uh, we're talking about talking about laps and times, and I think that's a wonderful change. I know a lot of people have been angling for that. Helen Wyman has been very outspoken about that. Um, so the rule this year has been between 40 and 50. Right. Mm-hmm. Now it's a minimum of 50 for next year. So, so sort of like, the, I guess, the men are 60. So the closest to 50, is, is that maybe what the rule is? So it should be over 50, but, as, yeah, as close as possible. It, so it could end up, they could end up having a 57, 58-minute race, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's... I think the incremental thing is good though because like, and maybe in cross not so much, but like, well, I mean, you, you are you train for the races that you do, right? So if you're a woman, you train for you know a forty minute race, and men have sometimes hour plus. So you go from forty to an hour; it's a big jump. Like obviously they're they'll survive. It's fine, but like that helps you build in you know the well, training. You got to train for it. Yeah, yeah you got to train for it. So yeah. um, that's good. Did you guys also hear that there was a marriage proposal? I did hear that. During the women's race. I believe. That's right. I believe a woman was proposing to her boyfriend. That's, That's right. right. And, and he said yes. He did, yeah. They didn't actually, sh- it wasn't on the coverage of that day, but the next day um, yeah. they did announce that yes, he, I, he, he had said yes. I think next year I'm going to just you know tweet at Aunt Macross and be like, hey, can you uh, see if my friends want to go for a bike ride? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so speaking of next year, um, it's, one of you guys has some news that world champs are in Switzerland next year. They Matt, are. you had some news about the course. Well, when you think of Switzerland, I mean, you tend to think of the Alps, don't you? Cows. I think I think of cheese, but cows. yeah, well, I, next, I mean, my next thought is Alps. Alps, yeah. cows, mountains. cheese, neff, yeah. and mountains. Yeah, mountains. Uh, so it's going to be on an airfield that's completely flat. That's interesting terrible yeah. uh it it looks dreadful already doesn't it yeah you're in you're in switzerland and you choose a course that's an airfield yeah i don't know so in Bern was pretty terrible as well yeah Bern was pretty terrible that was uh basically like city park wasn't it or not not even that i mean it, it was yeah, like it was like in the french quarter or something you know like it was in a park fountains. but it was like yeah jumping through uh an em- emptied fountain <laughs> and Swiss Cross used to be so big. What the what the heck's going on? I don't know what's going on. It's it seems like they could find a hill somewhere in Switzerland. <laughs> well, and guys, speaking of future World Championship sites, big big news stateside mm. yeah. in the last week. On Friday, we found out that Fayetteville, Arkansas, will indeed be the home of Cyclocross Worlds 2022. Yeah, and there's some hills there. Yeah, pretty I- hilly course. Yeah, I'm, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, my first real like for, not foray or like sort of like awareness of cross was Louisville Worlds mm-hmm. uh, in 2013 in the states. Yeah, which is fun one, great race. 
And so I'm I'm pumped. I mean, it's not too far from us. I mean, it's no, it's uh, Fayetteville. I guess we better start booking hotels soon. We got we got to get up there. Yeah. Well, I uh, was up with, talking with our friends uh, Lewis and Allison Harkey this weekend. They're of course both interested in going. And uh, you know, we figure we might just kind of keep it keep it real like we do when we all go up to Ridgeland and just all get a big house together. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Except except I think we got to buy it. I think we, <laughs> we got to rent it. <laughs> to pay them back for all the times they put That's us true. up. So start looking for a big old Airbnb, five bedroom Airbnb, and uh, we'll put the Harkies up in. Uh, yeah. So if there's anybody uh, who knows anyone in the Fayetteville area uh, as well that wants to uh, lend us their house, guys, I've got a really early, three year early super mm. steamer for Worlds 2022. You ready? Yes. Tom Pidcock, World Champion 2022, Men's Elite. I'll All buy. Right. Yeah. Sounds okay. good. All right. Well, I'm going uh, <laughs> no, mean, to... Wow, I'm going to DDP won't be I'm there. I'm going to drop a Cleveland steamer on your steamer. Wow. And say, I also think Evie Richards will be women's world champion, elite. Wow. And I think Britain are going to win all of the races. British sweep. British sweep. Well, Every, there'll be six all, races. There will be six races because yeah. there'll be a, a junior women's as well. Okay. So it's going to be an all British Wait, sweep. So 20, so the British are coming back. 20, the British are coming. <laughs> yeah, the British are coming. Wait, so hang on. All right, Paul 20, Revere. 20, 20. That's, a, that's a hot steam and Paul Revere take right there. <laughs> okay, so that's three years. Okay, three years. Okay, all right. Three years. Um, I'll be, oh wait, I was going to say, I'll definitely be masters, but I guess this is, there is no amateur races. I uh, let's start working on our our um, our uh, Union Jack um, uh, skin suits now. Yeah. Our and, Pidcock Supporters Club. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a Def Leppard style sleeveless skin mm. suit. Yeah, short Union shorts, Jack, short shorts, yeah. and then uh, yeah, and then a, a sleeveless top. Yeah. Guys, I got to say, I'm just really glad that me posting about this in the Norland CX Facebook group did not spoil the bid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you guys saw that, but yeah. someone responded. Yeah. Please delete this. You're going to spoil the bid. Yes. Yeah. Because you know the UCI. They're watching your Facebook feed. Yes, they're in our Facebook group. Yeah, and it wouldn't be the guy's fault that leaked that out to you. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It would be if my it happened, fault. It would be your fault for, for posting, posting it, it in a New Orleans cyclocross. Uh, I actually got a message from the guy. I didn't even respond. Um, sorry, homie. I, I, I think you're fine. Well, yeah, at da- this point- David Lapartian is always lurking <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the New Orleans side. At this Crossfield. point, you could take credit for it, though, right, Bodie? Yeah. Because it yeah. ended up getting yep. the That's bid. True. So maybe yep. you put it out there and it just brought it you're home. You're welcome, Fayetteville. I mean, and so, so, I mean, speaking of credit, I mean, obviously, you know, it's kind of like what Fayetteville, like what cross race has been there? Like how, where is the base to have world championships? I mean, it seems like you'd want to have somewhere there's an established scene. And obviously we know that the Walton family, it's uh, the the brothers or yeah. the, the, sorry, the sons of the, yeah. well, it's the grandsons of grandsons. Sam, Sam they have a, an investing firm. Yep. They're obviously highly involved in cycling. Oh, they've uh, invested millions of dollars in cycling infrastructure in that part of the country. In that state. I mean, you yeah. know, their part owners are Rafa. I mean, they're... Yeah. And they're really... I think they've been focused Allied. on making Fayetteville a cycling destination for people. So I think that's I think that's interesting. There's There are some people who kind of were not into this idea of the, the world's coming to the States and, and sort of the thought that you know, this money could be used in, in different ways to create a national series or like, <coughs> Ryan you, 
<laughs> yep. Why would you take it to Fayetteville? And I just thought it was interesting to to point that out. I, mean, I think that we there is sort of a benefactor that kind of helped make this happen. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty pumped for it. I think it's going to be a great thing. Uh, hopefully, you know, this can just helps build buzz towards it, right? Where it's yeah. sort of like it's a goal, it's a target we're all kind of like shooting for, whether to to be better fans. So when it happens, we're like, you know, we've got our scorecards and we can score the cross game. Well, I think the measure of whether it's a success or not will not be felt in three years when it happens, but it will be felt over the next three years as we build toward it. And we'll see, you know, what sort of buy-in and what kind of commitment there is and what happens in these three years leading up to it that really tells the tale. Well, I have a couple of thoughts. So yeah, will we be seeing a national race that happens there. Yes, Will next there be year. A, are they going to do... It's a C2. There is going to be C2, and it's yeah. going to be on the same course, or... I believe so, yeah. So they had it's Ozcross, and they had it this year. It was on the American Cyclocross calendar, which is a prelude to getting onto the Pro CX calendar. So, I mean, they're, they're working through channels. There's a C2 next year. Um, I'm sure there'll be a C1 at some point. Well, there's talk about maybe trying to make it a world cup Do in world the year before that would world make championships sense. i could t- totally see that yeah. so hmm, would they add a world cup to the states or would trek cup or jingle cross be removed uh it's above my pay grade yeah I don't well know we've heard that, that they want to add more world cups which yeah. i thought was a bad thing because that would dilute the american world cups but if they have another american world cup maybe it wouldn't be so bad because then i mean if you're European, you have three World Cups in the States. Like it makes even more sense to come over. Um, yeah. And then I would say the other important thing uh, to decide whether it's a success or not, which is something that somebody on Twitter brought up, is uh, is Fayetteville in a dry county? <laughs> Does Arkansas have dry counties? <laughs> I'm guessing it might do. Oh, man. So uh, that would be that would be a big big no for the Dutch and Belgian fans uh, coming over. Well, the Yeah You Ride podcast is definitely looking forward to this, and this is huge news over here. We're stoked, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, Two thumbs up from everybody? Yeah, definitely. Guys, let's breeze through a little bit of pro road news and a little bit of local news before we uh, before we close things out with a little Rate My Pain Cave segment at the end Ooh. here tonight. Mm. Uh, we had uh, the Vuelta San Juan, which was won this week by winner Anacona, yeah. ap- aptly named. Winner, winner chicken dinner yeah i bet he's winner anacona's been on my radar for a while he had a huge huge race at the uh either the tour of utah or the colorado cycling classic one of those stateside races maybe four years ago and i and i'm constantly picking the guy on my fantasy teams and he's just been letting me down year after year after year and um here he is he finally uh he finally showed what he was made of he beat some relatively you know beat some pretty good cyclist to win this race overall well, well he beat julian ala philippe who yeah. was who was leading the race he uh, beat nairo quintana his own teammate yeah i mean i think that they um and it's interesting yeah i mean he attacked on that that stage it was stage three or stage stage four i think it was i think it might have actually been four, stage five, five but I don't, okay um <laughs> all right good well it, it was a number less than 10 yeah and uh it was a long like rail like i would call it a colorado climb you know like a long railroad grade like yep. four to six percent the whole way his kind of climb yeah so he just steamed up there uh, you know great time trial effort 
and basically shed everybody else in the in the break by the end of it. Great, uh, great uh, debut performance for uh, Quick Steps Remco Ivanapol. Unfortunately, marred by his team's missteps. Um, yes, and his uh, director sportif's inability to drag himself uh, out of the, uh, as you called it, Matt, the Quick Step Quicksand. Yeah, well, maybe they should also change the team name to De Koenig Misstep. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, you know, Patrick. Uh, just being just saying all kinds of dinosaur comments and just old white guy being an old white just guy being terrible we talked about it on last week's podcast this all stems from the from the sexual uh sort of uh, how would you even describe it sort of you know sexual um innuendo innuendo yeah. just in a photograph uh by yeah i mean i guess uh, eo kaise and uh, who got Lefebvre. sent home he did and he apologized and then lefevre immediately sort of kind of crawfished back off of uh, Kaisei's own apology and talked about how it was unfair and, and just, uh, I don't know, he just, he couldn't get out of his own way and it was really unfortunate and it just, it kept going and going and going. Kaisei's dad got into it as well. Yeah, and, like, they should just all be quiet. It's like, look, he said he's sorry. What they should have, the team should have immediately removed him from the race, which yeah. they didn't. Right. And like- then, do you know, and then the team... Did you see that? They boycotted the podium. Yeah, that's... Which is... That's so lame. Uh, you know who I'm bummed in? I'm bummed to Philippe. What's yeah, up, you, dude? Be a leader. Like, step up. Show Evenipol Remco. Remco Evenipol. Like, yeah. set an example. Like, be like... I, who knows? Who knows uh, the ins and in workings of that team and, and, and what kind of, like, sway Pat, you know, Lefebvre has over them. But, like, like stand up. Like, no, bro. This is... We, we got on the podium. We're going to go. This is bullshit. Like... Screw you. Yeah, it just it, it's a terrible situation. And what I thought was interesting, though, is that the sponsors actually spoke up. Yeah. And, and called them out. And you yeah. know, we're like, we're not going to stand for this shit. And eventually, Quick Step then issues an apology, which is like a little too little, too late. Like, you've already shown your true colors. Um, yeah. But I, so both De Koenig and Specialized yeah. get involved. And then it's like, okay... You know, let's listen to the money. Yeah, I really hope that uh, that the team can maybe. I don't. Maybe Patrick needs to go find a new hobby. Um, you know, he's like you say, he's good at winning races, but you know, if uh, the most winningest team is having trouble finding sponsors, maybe that says something about you know what 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 the vibe of your team needs to be. Yeah, possibly. We had some other racing going on down in. Australia. Yep. Harold Suntor. That's right. Um, EF with a couple stage wins. Yeah, they, well, they came out of the gate with two wins. Yeah. yeah. So, Thomas, have they disrupted your Peloton yet? What's <laughs> up, bro? Are they crashing your train, bro? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, although they didn't actually win overall. Sky no, ended up winning. Sky really stuck it to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> really, Sick burn. Yeah. <laughs> And um, guys, uh, are we all now like eating wow. some crow and totally feeling those sky kits now? I mean, is this a perfect I've, example of kits yeah. that just it, look really, really, really good on the bike? Yes, I've I've fully come around. I sent. I said I I like the kit. It looks good. Yeah. Do you know? Do you Damn know what it. I call it with it because the the blue is up near uh, in the upper only in the upper part of the jersey. Chest fade. Yeah, no, I call it a high top fade. High top Ooh. fade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like it. 
Um, I, I just wanted to note that I guess on the, the stage that a woods one that it ended on gravel. It didn't end on gravel, oh. but it had the last climb was on gravel and then it came down onto a road um, section of the finish. But yeah, he beat Richie Port pretty soundly. Um, you know, got the gap on Port in the sprint there uh, in that stage and was looking good. But then next day, Sky got two men in the break, two yeah. Welshmen in the break, and uh, Owen Duell got his first win, first pro win. Uh, I think he's been there three years now with Sky as but, a pro. So this but is not a world tour race. It's not a world tour race. So no. the, it's a training race. So Sky gets two guys in the break is like, yes, because there was another world tour team there to pull it back. But well, the, the I mean, following there were day, world tour teams, but the following day they had three guys in the break. And EF had nobody. So those two guys, the, the two guys the day before, nowhere on GC, not a problem, right? The day after that, they get Christian Canise, Luke Rowe, and Dylan Van Baal in the break. And Van Baal finished second on the stage, miles ahead of, uh, of EF. So what and you're well, saying is that Sky disrupted EF's peloton. They disru- definitely disrupted their peloton. And I'm going to put it out. Here's a, I've got a steamer for you that Dylan Van Baal wins a big classic this year because he's looking phenomenal. Yeah, okay. well, he was riding well last year, so yeah. I can see that. Uh, what's happening in local news, Bodie? Well... Uh, unfortunately, today uh, we announced that we are not doing a Harbor Master in 2019. Kind of, kind of hit me today when I thought about the fact that we did it five years and we're not going to do it this year. Uh, just could not make the dates work. You know, that's the thing about being a amateur bike race promoter is that like we also have other things that happened, and it's it's a juggling act to try to make it work within your calendar and the rest of your life, and it just did not work out this year. Yeah, a little, you know, sort of a little bit of venue problem, date problem, scheduling problem, and also the fact that we have a a, a new little baby uh, in the Pontchartrain Beach Summer Series that we wanna that we wanna rear and yeah. and, and make happy and awesome this year. And um, I'm thinking I'm pretty excited to be able to turn our attention to that. Maybe maybe reallocate some some sponsor money and 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 um, uh, sponsor opportunities from the harbor master to the Pontchartrain beach summer series mm-hmm. and and make that race even bigger and better this year make that series bigger and better yeah this year. awesome and i think that i i learned recently and it's on the lambert calendar now that nobc is has added a race yeah. um april 28th out at the uh racetrack yeah the nolan motorsports track so I felt awesome. good that we took a race off the calendar, but there's going to be another local race taking its place. And, and look, in fairness, you know, not not to diminish the Harbor Master because I know a lot of people. I mean, it was a it was one of the most well attended races on the Lambert calendar, one of the most mm-hmm. well attended one day criteriums for mm-hmm. sure. Yep. And a lot of people have, have been you know already telling us they're bummed to not have it. Uh, but I will have to say, you know, the the Nola Motorsports uh, venue and the the track there. That's a Pretty exciting, yeah. Opportunity I'm very to do some excited. Pretty for good race, and I'm, I'm gonna go race it for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, also, that is like I'm glad that I'm. I not promoting that race, and I get to race it. Um. So yeah. Thank you, NBC, and whoever else is uh, behind the scenes making it happen. Hopefully, we'll get a flyer up soon. I I think Randy said maybe this week. Um. 
Townsend, you raced this weekend. Uh, I did. The Dead Man Gravel Grind up in Ridgeland. Gravel, gravel, gravel. Yeah, gravel season. Uh, Man, uh, guys, I mean, I feel like I've sort of found my niche. The uh, 50s, 50-plus gravel racing is my jam. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Um, That's great. Another, another race, uh, just like the the Hattiesburg uh, Camp Shelby gravel grind that I did with you, Bodie, I was... um, Fairly, fairly well placed in in that race. Uh, competitive in in that in that race, it was more of a chase group that we were that we were in. In the dead man, I was uh, I was in the front group. We got off the front with about six or seven of us. I was feeling better than I've ever felt in a bicycle race. My heart rate was low. I was uh, I was covering attacks. I was riding strong through the gravel feeling really fantastic and uh suffered a mechanical i suffered a, a, a puncture a cut sidewall in my in my tire wait was this a tubeless fail i was uh, it was not a tubeless fail it was a tire fail uh, had nothing to do with the fact oh. that i was running tubeless in well, fact i have to honestly say i think that the the fact that i was running tubeless um kept me going for a bit longer than i would have otherwise um i um i definitely would have would have uh, immediately lost um, all pressure if I'd have been running tubes, but because I was running tubeless, um, I got a little bit of a seal, but it was just, it was too big, uh, too big to seal up uh, entirely. And uh, just, you know, was soft for a minute and then eventually just, you know, lost pressure altogether. And um, yeah, I had, a, had about a, you know, three or four millimeter cut in the sidewall of the tire and ended up putting a tube in and just uh, riding it back to the parking lot and uh, checking out of the race. But uh, two of our teammates, one uh, in their respective uh, age group, uh, or excuse me, uh, finished one two in their in the twenty nine to thirty nine age group. Jason Cash won that race, and uh, Taylor uh, Reinhardt finished in second. Awesome, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I mean, kudos uh, to those guys. Yeah, Jason Cash me outside. We've been riding with that guy for a while, and yeah. he, he's learned a lot, and he's getting stronger every year. So I'm. Really stoked that he is able to pull that off. Um, and Taylor maybe also maybe found an area he's fairly good at. You know, not a lot of turning. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he can go fast. Um, he's got that engine. So good job. And and uh, Scott Galante, new addition to the Urban South Racing, went up there and uh, looks like he had a pretty good race too. Yeah, so. finished eighth in his age group. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. did you guys, what? was it a mass start? Uh, no, they staggered the start. The, okay. Yeah, they, they staggered it was just by one minute. So they started the men's elite and the 40 to 49 age group first, and then 19 to 29 and 29 to 39 f- started together two minutes later, and then the 50 plus and 60 plus started uh, after that. So it's three waves of men, and then all the women started in one wave behind. So I'm just I'm just you know taking in this gravel stuff once again looking at it trying to figure out you know like we just throw a sanction on this it's a road race or maybe it scored as a crit but I mean like you essentially have one two three four five six seven eight you mean like ten or eleven categories so the categories are ages which is interesting so. Well, I mean, you know, we do, we used to, we hadn't done it in a few years, but we used to do Lambra age graded championships. Mm-hmm. That was the same thing. You know, you was not, you didn't register by category, you registered by age group and all the age groups 
Yeah. Whether you're cat one or five race together. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. I actually like it. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's nice, a nice way to do things. Hmm. Uh, so the Mississippi gravel cup is next weekend up in, uh, Ackerman. Uh, I will not be at that race. That's a bit of, bit of a long drag from here. Yeah, it's about so. five, five and a half hours. Uh, Jason Shear um, is reassuring everyone that the race is is going on. He uh, crashed in the Dead Man Gravel Grind and uh, did some pretty serious damage to his uh, knee and and upper upper leg. I don't understand why people thought the race was canceled because he crashed. I don't know. That's just that's a weird thing to me. Yeah. Did they think he like? Well, I mean, he did coma or something. No, I don't. I don't know. He did go to the hospital. Okay, Uh, you know, so maybe they thought, well, the promoters in the hospital, maybe the race isn't happening. Yeah, well, I guess it was. Yeah, it's worth a worth a worth a Facebook worth a Facebook message. All right, I just was surprised to hear that they had to they had to actually come out and say, no, the race is not canceled. Yeah, Jason got a boo boo. It's not canceled. Mm. Well, if you remember, two years ago, I separated my shoulder. Three days before the Harbor Master. That's true. And I had to do a lot of heavy lifting. For a lot me. of heavy lifting. Yeah, I was I was in a sling at the race. <laughs> literally, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. So, uh, guys, we've got one final segment to wait, do wait, wait, here. Wait, hang on, wait a minute though, uh, Bodie. I noticed there was a, a familiar name there at the Dead Man Gravel Grind. Uh, not familiar to me. Yeah. So, but it, you know, number what is this number three now in a series of uh, professional mountain bikers Bodie's never heard of? Yeah. No. Yeah. Tinker Juarez. Yeah. Apparently, famous mountain biker. Yeah. From the nineties. From from the eighties, nineties, from the eighteen eighties, I think. Yeah. You know. It's like, but I mean, he's one hundred years old. <laughs> and he he may out, be around. That and now. he came out and crushed. The yeah, he won race. it. Yeah. He won the elite race. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I was actually shocked. But I mean, if I guess if you're a pro, I don't think it would be shocking to anybody who knew who Tinker Juarez yeah. was. Yeah, and so I, so I, I didn't I didn't know anything about Tinker Juarez until I saw that uh, Scott posted that he was coming to the race. And he, I, he was 1985's version of Nino Scherter. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome that he came to Mississippi and raced gravel. Yeah. Yeah. And beat up on all the local heroes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. All right. Uh, sorry, Townsend, to interrupt you there. No, you didn't interrupt at all. I forgot we needed to address that. Uh, we have one last thing before we go, and that's a new submission on the Rate My Pain Cave segment. Do we have music for this, guys? I guess we're going to have to get some. Well, our first submission for the Rate My Pain Cave. Actually, it's probably our second. I don't know. Did, did Alex Comier submit yeah, his? That was an official submission. So th- this is, um, once again, we're doing a segment where you can't see what we're talking about. Mm. Um, but Key St. Pierre, our teammate, uh, looks like his his trainer setup is in a garage. Yeah. yeah. And... Or, or a garage for our European so, listeners. So, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, they can't see this photo, so it's up to us to use our, our floral language and our dis- word descriptive picture. prose to describe this. Mm. Okay. So, you know, uh, you know, pretty suburban American garage. Yeah, it looks like a poured cement floor. Maybe it's got some <laughs> of that sprayed, uh, sprayed uh, 
garage floor. I assume stuff on fluorescent there. lighting. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a it looks cords. very bright. Yeah, very bright. Yeah, um, looks to be his probably his second fridge. Maybe this is like his deep freeze kind of storage yeah, the, fridge where he keeps his where he keeps like well, his venison that that his buddies his deer meat that his yeah, buddies. This is, may, may be full of, this is yeah. South Louisiana. Maybe he's got a couple frozen nutria in there. Yeah, but it's deer jerky and uh, alligator steaks, and then next to the fridge is a very large, what do you call that, a kegerator? It is a kegerator. Well, so I was going to say... A four-tap kegerator. <laughs> well, the way this photo is set Ooh, up... That's five taps. I thought those were like shifters on the end of his TT I, bar. I well, they're, they're <laughs> shifters for something. Yeah. They're just changing different gears. It's a yeah. four-tap kegerator. Now, is- oh... Wouldn't it be awesome if he did have actual um, for the for the actual taps if they were actually like campy mm. campy shift levers? Oh, oh, oh. Keith, Keith, you got to do that. Take man. note, take note. <laughs> that would take your pain cave from so, nine arus so, <laughs> to ten arus. So that is act. So he's actually got his uh, his computer set up on top of the kegerator. Well, well, is that what that is? It's a laptop or an mm, iPad? It's an iPad. Okay, he's got an iPad <sighs> yeah, set up okay. there. That looks like a work iPad. Keith, is that your? Your, your work iPad to uh, do your Swifting. He's got uh, he's got a fan. He's got a small small uh, vor- looks like some kind of little vortex type fan. Uh, he's got a uh, yeah one very small fan. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm gonna. He's got a trainer tire on the uh, on the trainer, so it points for that. Yeah, looks um, to be a uh, a classic trainer. Yeah, can't tell if it's a fluid or a magnetic, but it looks like it's an old school. Although I don't know, maybe it is a smart trainer. I can't really see it. You know, it's a bit Spartan. Uh, very utilitarian, though. He's getting the job done. One thing I noticed on here, which is probably pretty... Well, there's a couple of things that, that, that really come to mind for me here. What looks to be uh, potentially an oxygen tank over to the right there. <laughs> what For when you've gone really, really deep. Uh, <laughs> and... How c- I don't know if um, if I could be on there sweating away with that very small fan doing a workout and not just go, you know what, I'm just going to get off and drink a beer because they're right there. There's, I have four different yeah. ones to choose from. Yeah, I can't tell if that's like a motivation to finish your workout or mm. a distraction which causes you to stop your workout, as you said, Matt. It's quite uh, a conundrum there. I don't know. I think I'd be, you, I could imagine all the thoughts going through my head while doing the workout, uh, having that little kind of that carrot and stick uh, scenario going on there. Well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get the get the scoring started here. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely points for the kegerator. He's got everything he needs here. Uh, again, it's it's no frills. Uh, very utilitarian, sort of South Louisiana garage. He's got the freezer there with the you know with the with the frozen the frozen gumbo in it. Uh, I like the oxygen tank. He's got some tools in front of him just in case he needs to make a mid-ride change to his setup. He's got an extension cord there just in case uh, something goes wrong. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this 10 out of 10, out of 10 shrimp boots. Um, I'm going to give it... Uh, I, I, it's very utilitarian. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um it's a little. I would. I would like a little bit more mood lighting. Personally, that's my note. <laughs> and also, I don't. With my eyes, you guys need to get romantic in there or something. Well, yeah. <laughs> you guys, you should see. I'll, you'll see my pain cave. It's okay. pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, we'll we'll have to look at it. I guess we'll take some photos. Of and it. Uh, 
I don't know. I think I, I would like a bigger... If you're going to be looking at a screen of some sort, I want to see a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's very small. small, and it looks... Yeah, it looks very small. So, uh, you know, dude, uh, Costco, go get a... I got a nice 43-inch 4K TV for 250 bucks. Oh, that might destroy the vibe of this, man. It might, it, maybe it will. Well, then get rid of the screen altogether yeah. and just go old school. Just stare at your tools. Just stare, <laughs> just stare, at, the, stare at the tools. Um, I'm going to give it... Uh, Eight deer jerkies out of ten. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it nine out of ten. Uh, campy shift lever beer taps. Um, it's too bright for me. But I also would note you might have turned the light on to take this photo. So that's true. Maybe he does turn the lights off for it. Yeah. All um, right. Um, thanks, Keith. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. Uh, so yeah, send us your your pain cave, and we'll describe your photo. On the Yeah You Ride podcast. Yeah. Um, you know. Pictures hashtag, on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag content. Um, guys, I think this has been a pretty good episode, and I think we should get out while we're ahead. So, Townsend, you want to sign us off? All right, Bodie. This is the T-Bone uh, saying, I will see you guys this weekend on the Semi-Tough Cycling Club Club Ride. And this is the Cheerio saying, I know there's still three weeks of cross left, but... The classics. I'm ready for the classics now. Bring it. And this is the Bodie Bodie saying, once again, you can send us all your nudes, I mean pain cave photos, <laughs> to yayouride at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, or concerns, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And Matt, I am also super stoked for the classics. I cannot wait to see Wout in his Yumbo Visma kit. Matt, you're still going to beat him, though. Quite possible. Gent wave gum babies. Bent bubblegum.